Welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. Um, why don't you two introduce yourselves real quick? I'm Chris. I'm Laura. Okay, Chris. Um, you guys didn't see that because this is audio only, but they looked at each other and, and they were debated as to who was going to answer first. She gave him the okay to speak <laughs> um, We are, uh, let's see. Collectively, we are a uh, show called The Owlery. Yes. 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 Um, and that, and, and that got... talks about what we're going to talk about today, which is homeschool. So yes, mm-hmm. we will put that information in all the links of them to find that stuff. Okay. Uh, I, the reason I wanted to have this show, I, I've known these two for a while, and they're very talented. But they have they have 107 children, right? Is that <laughs> is that is that right? How many kids do you have? Just six. Just six. six. six I always. I get the numbers wrong. I thought it was 107. I apologize. Give or take um, 101. Yeah. Six kids, which would be 107 kids to any normal person. That's what it would feel like. Because it's not I think just that's those, what some of our guests feel like sometimes. Yes. It's not just those six kids. Those kids have friends. Yes. Yes. They have enemies. Yes. And then some of the kids make friends with the other kids' enemies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Complicated scenario. It's a lot going on. Yes. Never a dull moment. And so, but they also have been doing homeschooling for how long now? Well, let me think. Almost 20 years. Yeah. Pretty much since our oldest became a toddler. So, yes. And my favorite thing about homeschooling is that at the end of every year, when somebody graduates from homeschool, they are the valedictorian. Yes. Yes. Uh, because usually there's not more than one in the class. However, <laughs> that said, I think it's a very, very important topic to talk about, especially with everything that's going on in the world, especially in the U.S. when it comes to schooling. I had my own private tutoring business for many years and, and sold it. So I have my own thoughts on this, but I think that homeschooling is something that every parent has to look at whether they want to look at it or not. Yeah. I don't I'd agree. I don't think homeschooling is for everybody. Also Absolutely agree. agree. But I do think it's, I think homeschooling is an option for more people than the people realize. Yes. So yes. Those, so those are the things I want to cover. So let's, let's, why don't you just give your general experience with homeschooling good and bad. And then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll add some of those questions in throughout the podcast. Well, we started homeschooling, like I mentioned, basically when our oldest was a toddler, we had intended to do that from the very start. And which is kind of funny because I was, I knew people who were homeschooled back when I was a kid. I, I was in high school in a youth group with a guy. It's like homeschooling, you can do that. Right. Um, it was not even on my radar until I think I was in, in, in my late teen years, but my husband, Chris. Yeah. I, I remember begging my mother when I was a teenager. I, I was really good in school, but I hated being at school. Sure. Um, and I remember begging my mother to let me homeschool myself. She's like, no, we'll get arrested. We can't do that. I'm like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll figure this out. And well, your mom can't do the time. <laughs> <laughs> So when when we were um, dating and engaged and and just starting out as a married couple, we were like, well, you know, if we have kids and and um, we're we're interested in homeschooling them, 
Uh, particularly as I looked around, I had friends who'd gone into teaching. Some of them were teaching in public schools. Some were teaching in very elite private schools. Um, we had friends who taught across the board. I had some very interesting experiences. I was in um, Catholic schools for many years. I was in uh, an experimental uh, private school in Philadelphia for a few years. I was in public high schools. I was in a parochial high school. Um, and then we then we we went to a, a small private liberal arts college, which is where we met. And so we've experienced just about the entire. We had a lot of classmates who right. were homeschooled. Yeah. I would say probably a third of our classmates were homeschooled, and homeschooling was very very rare in the mid '90s, late '90s when we were in college together. But our college actually attracted a lot of homeschoolers, so we got why to meet plenty of people who had that experience. Why do you think that was? Why, why do you think that was? Uh, a, um, the school actively recruited them. Yeah. At a time when a lot of colleges wouldn't even like like there there were there were a lot of state schools in the 90s that wouldn't accept a homeschool transcript. Gotcha. If you didn't go to an institution, the state school wasn't interested in you. Gotcha. Um, and Did you so have to take, like an SAT or ACT or any of that. Did you have to do um, most of the schools still required some kind of standardized test? That's changing a little. But then even some of the state schools are no longer requiring. Yeah, the standardized no, I mean, that, that's that's completely. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking back then. That, yeah, that, back yeah, then. Yeah, that, that yeah. I mean, I had an SAT and an ACT. Our friends who came from home schools, they had they, they had, did the same thing. They did the same Took thing. Took a prep course because whether or not you're homeschooled or institutional school, preparing for those standardized yeah, it's tests. Completely different. That's right. It's a class in itself. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's get present because it's the summer now, and yeah. yes, and, and parents are detached. Now this podcast will stay up for a while, so we'll let's kind of crack this down in. You know, stages. We'll talk about what's going on now, but people can reference to this later. So, if if somebody is thinking about homeschooling their kids now, in July, yes, isn't it a little late? I would say not at all. Not strictly speaking, no. You've got time at this point, um, because like on the legal end, you've got time to find someone who can advise you in terms of. Is there a form I have to fill? Because some states are super easy and other states, there's a bit of a, it's kind of Byzantine in some places, how you- And not in a good way. No, not in a good way. No, it, it, it can be complicated in some states if you're trying to get out of a institutional okay. school and choose to homeschool. Gotcha. Um, and there's legal defense funds that, that help people when their way through those bureaucracies. But in terms of the actual preparation, there's ample time to make a decision on, okay, what are we trying to teach for the coming year? Right. And then from there, what are we using to teach that? That's, that's I mean, this is actually about the time of year that we typically do a, a, a refresh and say, okay, what worked last year? What didn't work last year? Yeah, um, we, we definitely do at least a reevaluation every few months um, and then adjust because, you know, with, with six kids all in flight in one stage or another, we've got effectively six different grade levels that we're accommodating. Right. Um, I, generally, most people will have one or two sometimes three, although, I mean, obviously a lot of the families we know also have large, but, but uh, I, I would say two things about summer. One, now is absolutely the perfect time to start saying, do we, are, are, are we looking at home education full-time? We're going to pull them out of an institutional school, right? One or both parents will, will figure out how to juggle the workload of the day job, uh, the side hustle, 
the the cooking and cleaning that all have to happen and then educating the children in that are we going to do it part-time what some people call after schooling uh, and that's really popular with with some of uh, the folks I know who are you've got two upwardly mobile professionals um, they've got a couple of school-aged kids who are in that kind of middle school coming into high school and they want to do some supplemental stuff they don't want to homeschool full-time but they have this option to be more intentional with the stuff they're doing with their kids, what, what trips they take on weekends or what sports and activities they're involved in. Um, and then uh, July, like for us, it's 110 degrees outside in the shade most of the time. And mm-hmm. so when the kids just want to sit around in the air conditioning, it's like, you know, this is a perfect time to catch up on some schoolwork so that when the weather is pleasant where we live, so you know what? Go outside and play for for the whole day, and you're not going to miss out on anything. Yeah, there's there's some flexibility fairness, there. Fairness, if I did, if I ran a homeschool, um, most of the class would be recess. Well, yes. that's actually one of the best things you can do for that would be about any that would be about eighty percent of the curriculum. <laughs> that, recess that's, that's, and shopping. Shopping would be my. my it is amazing class. the things you can learn. And your kids can learn by shopping in terms of, you know, just you've got essential life skills. You've got some academic work around arithmetic. um, You've got social interaction, which is its own niche that tends to get neglected. Yeah, there's and and actually recess is school. I have a a, one of my aunts was an early childhood educator. And one of the things that drives her nuts and why she eventually moved out of schools and into doing um, uh, supplemental music education for for very young children was because it was it was more appropriate to the kids for actually teaching them. You know, if if you're looking at at a five year old, their hands aren't even ready to hold a pencil. And if you've got someone trying to teach them, you know, large amounts of bookwork, it's not right for for the for the kid. And it's better to have them playing on a jungle gym and working yes. with clay and doing all that fun stuff that's that's actually right. more is important it, that's the thing people forget is that you know i mean one of the biggest problems with school is just sitting there is annoying yeah. yes and so okay so let's let's talk about who should not homeschool what kind of parent personality is just not wired for this let me think well, I, I think over the past year, there's a lot of people who had the experience well, over the past two years, there's a lot of people who had the experience of being at home all yeah. day with their kids. That's right. And, and they don't I like think, them. they don't like them. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. If you're going to spend all day with someone, you need to be ready to spend all day with them. And if your attitude is get out of the house for eight hours. I need that space. That's someone who's probably not very well suited to homeschooling. Yeah, what, would, what would you think? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know that there's a specific temperament that I would say, you know, this is not a good idea. Any temperament can adapt. Right. Um, if someone is not adaptable, if someone has to run on rails that they lay out, um, and I've, I, I know I've certainly never worked in a professional job where that was an option. No. Um, but you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be willing to meet your children where they're at, not where you think they should be or where 
um, you know, some, some guide of, you know, what your child should be learning says they should be at. Um, I, I think the people who should not homeschool are the ones who are focused on just getting through whatever point. the checklist they think needs to be. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Now let's talk about who should be homeschooling because I think there probably are more people who should be homeschooling that aren't. Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of people underestimate their ability to... Well, I think they don't realize that for, for a lot of these schooling, it's not like you need a... De- Agree to do the actual education. Most of an education degree is about classroom management. Right. You already manage your children. If you if you've if so if you successfully got them to a couple of them past sort of the kindergarten stage, managing to not kill each other, you're already doing the classroom management you need to be doing. Right. So it's more about finding materials that are going to help you where you're uncomfortable as you gain comfort doing it, and right. it's like. Um, like reading. I've got a book. It's got a script. I don't have to be an expert in teaching reading. You just need to follow the script I just with need- the child and encourage them, coaching them into doing the work. Yeah. And and so for a huge amount of what I do, I find materials that show me what to do. And I have areas of expertise where I can wing it. Um, and there's areas where we have gone out and hired professionals because, but even if we have the knowledge between the two of us, we don't have the time yeah. on top of all the other things that we're doing. Um, and so I would say that the people who should be looking at it is, you know, and, and any, anyone who, who loves their children and wants to build a deeper relationship with them should at least evaluate whether home education is, is, a course they want to pursue and then have a flexibility. Um, Most of our school days don't look like a a normal school day. People can visit us and not realize we're doing school that that throws my in-laws to this day. I mean, they're, they're charmed by their grandchildren, but they're sometimes baffled that we're actually doing school, even in the middle of their visits, because it doesn't look like what they would recognize as school. Because right Right before you, they came, you told them mm-hmm. today's class is dealing with grandparents. <laughs> so yeah. have at it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's like if, if, if we have a few online classes, so unless someone's like sure. sitting in class with their yeah. headset on, right. a, a lot of the times it's not obvious that what they're doing is, is assigned work, but there's a lot of things that you can do that really are just part of your normal day, like cooking. Um, I had a home ec class, yeah. Yeah, even in, in, high school. in high school. And, you know, having your kid do a new recipe is home ec. Yeah. And, right. and, and there's a huge amount of everything from like, okay. How do you budget for it? How do you buy the ingredients? Follow the recipe. Double the recipe. Troubleshoot it. Well, yeah, in our case, we're usually doubling or trebling recipes. because. Yeah. Um, but I, I think as far as if you're, if you're willing to work with your kids and with yourself, there is a way to go about it that can accommodate just about anybody's sort of life situation and budget. I've known single mothers who've successfully homeschooled their kids while working two jobs. 
Um, well, I've you known work, you, work, you work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have a day job. Um, for several years, I did that out of the house. Uh, I've been working mostly from the house for a decade now, long before the the pandemic. Right. Uh, led a lot of people to have to figure out how to work from home and juggle yep. that with the kids being home all day. Mm-hmm. So, and you were definitely involved in the school. It's not like a thing that only I'm doing. I yeah. think I've, yeah. if, it, if, because- there, if, if, if you need, if you need a sick day, I'll pitch in. There's a whole bunch of stuff where, because there are teacher's manuals that can help walk through material, the right. kids will come to me for review so that she can tend to other things. Yeah. Um, there are subjects that I primarily teach and lead on um, just because they're, they're places where I've, I've got a stronger grounding in something or just more passion to communicate that knowledge. And he's actually been the one who's done a lot of the curriculum research, what, what, curricular material research. This is a pet peeve. That's, yeah. That... <laughs> but he, he I'll, I'll have the yes, I am ready to do this. And I have no clue how to do this. And I'll like, so it's like, okay, Latin is a thing. For us, that was a big deal. That was a a big deal. And it's not just what language do we want to teach for foreign language, but how do we want to teach it? Because there is so much material out there now. There's like dozens of different text sequences you can do. And so he was the one who initially went through, it's like, okay, for us, for where we're at, for what we want to do, what's the best one? And then from there, Ivan got comfortable with it enough to say, okay, this is the part I know I can do. This is where we need to talk to pros who can either supplement or just take over beyond the part beyond the realm yeah. of my competency. And plus, and that plus, plus you save all that time of no parent teacher conferences. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yes. The, no. Not not having to run them out, drop them off, go back and pick them up. <laughs> the the yeah. Yeah. What um, so. What has been the biggest thing you guys individually have learned from homeschooling over the years? Hmm. What have you learned? Because I've, I I started on this with not even being certain I was going to be able to go all the way through. Yeah, you, you definitely started out with the conviction that at some point we would have to put them in a school and you were terrified that we would somehow have inadequately prepared them for that eventuality. Um, what have I learned? I've definitely learned a great deal of patience mm-hmm. and a great deal more flexibility. Um, it certainly improved my ability to meet whoever I'm talking with, where they're at, and to listen to the responses. Because one of the things I learned very early on is my kid, want, pick, pick any one of the six, they'll, they, they will throw out objections to doing something, usually because they're convinced they can't. Yeah. And so long as they believe they can't do it, they're right. right. But helping coach them through, I'm afraid of failing to, all right, let me try. Okay. Well, that didn't work out. So let's, let's just try again and iterate through, but learning to coach that in another human being. Like I, I, I don't naturally approach problems iteratively. I'd rather sit and think through a problem, sketch out something and then follow that plan. My job generally doesn't afford me that luxury. Like there's a lot of stuff where we try something, it doesn't work. We change, we try and we iterate through repeatedly. 
having to apply that to the kids, but having to get creative in applying that actually allowed me to be a lot more effective applying that to coworkers because a lot of my coworkers really are just like kids. I, th- I think for myself, it was learning that there's a lot of different ways people see things mm-hmm. because I, I was a really weird kid academically. I was like one of those kids who really loved school mm-hmm. and was really good at certain academic areas. And that's not normal. Right. Um, it, it, I, I was I was one of the sort of three, three, four percent kids who, who like did really well in certain things that everyone else just doesn't. And right with my own kids seeing, you know, some of them attack a problem and love it and others go, this makes absolutely no sense. And realizing, you know, I can have ideas about academics, but I have to sort of step back and say, all right, let me look at some some of the educators who worked with kids at all levels and what worked for everyone as opposed to what worked for the people who were destined to go on to university and get PhDs that, there's certain types of education that are really well suited for the college track. And there's certain types of education that are much broader and, and learning to meet, you know, I've got a kid, he is really, really sharp and he has no business ever doing philosophy yeah. as a, as a college student. He does it naturally as, as, Just a, as a human being, as a human being, but he should never be in a class where he has to sit and spend time with books and write essays. Gotcha. I, I'll teach him to be a competent writer, but but that sort of collegiate brain in a jar world is not for him. Right. And that's actually that's probably a really good point to to note is that even over the last fifty to sixty years, the the school system in in really most of the Western world, but certainly in the United States and even Canada, has shifted from what it was say when you know our our even when our parents came through um, because your parents came through high school in the sixties, mine came through in the seventies, but there was still a recognition in a lot of those school systems 40, 50 years ago that not every kid sitting in a classroom was going to end up going to college. And that was good. That was appropriate. Some kids needed to be in, you know, whether you called it a vocational technical track or you know they they moved into some kind of trade or whatever, and then you had a subset of that group who were going to go to a, a, a university education, whether it was a liberal arts or sciences pre-professional type thing. Over the last 50, 60 years, based on some really bad research done in the seventies, the idea possessed our political class that everyone needs to go to college. And so every high school should be preparing every student to go to a four-year college for some kind of liberal arts degree. Uh, in the last 20 years, it's been STEM that everybody's excited about, that science, technology, engineering, and math. Whether or not that's appropriate to that child's interests, that child's temperament, um, or even the academic preparation they've had so far. Um, home education allows you the freedom to step back from that and say, is is my child even is is you know I, like i said we've we've got a couple of kids they're very very bright they're very creative they have no business being in in college and their professional interests don't lie that way we've got at least two who look like they're they're pushing they're starting their teens and they really just want to start businesses of their own yep. and they're they're 
They're not really interested in sitting in a classroom, writing essays. They've watched one of their older brothers do some of that for his advanced high school work. And he's starting to look at, at and apply to colleges. But even he's like, you know, there are some schools I want to go to, but there's a whole bunch of other schools he knows he's not interested in. So having that, that openness to adapt what you're doing and how you're doing it in order to help your children flourish, regardless of what happens in the world, regardless of what they end up being called to do. That's, that's I think, the, the greatest benefit that it, it offers to the parents willing to commit to the, the, the burden and, and put in the effort because it's not easy. Um, and there are definitely good days, but there are definitely some really shitty days. Yeah, yeah, and sure. we've certainly, I don't think a year has gone by where we haven't had at least a couple of days where we would look at each other and go, is this even worth doing anymore? That, that just oh. that frustration oh, level totally. hits. Yeah, yeah. That, that totally makes sense. And no two years have looked the same. Yeah. Like, like we will, we will adapt and adjust what we're doing per child each year. And, and even sometimes within a year. Um, of, hey, this isn't working and, you know, we're just going to step away from doing that program for right now and, and let it rest and we'll, we'll hit it again in six months or we'll try a different way of attacking the same subject. I, I think we've actually got one of our children who we're giving him the assignment to write a history book this year because they're all driving him nuts. Yeah, every history book he's tried reading irritates him. We're like, okay, great, then write your own. We mm -hmm. will help you. We'll structure the research path and you start making the notes and then we'll compile it. And, you know, it, whether, whether it's a publishable text or not, it allows us to say, okay, we need, we know we need to cover these particular points in history. We know what information we want to cover at a minimum, but him doing the research, he'll discover the things that interest him. And then the act of compiling that information, organizing that information, putting together a draft, all of those are both personal and professional development opportunities that we can coach him through. And, you know, if he has a serviceable textbook on the other end, great, because there is a gap in the market for the kind of thing he's looking for. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't a history book like what he's asked for. Yeah. I, I've been looking. <laughs> I just, I haven't had the time to do the research and the writing. She hasn't had the time to do the research and the writing. We're like, you know what? You do have that time. So let's, let's get started on that project. Yeah. So what would you want a, a parent that's listening to this episode? What would you want their big takeaway to be when it comes to homeschooling? I'd say that most of the things that initially terrify people when they when they're considering that the things that they're if they're looking at maybe and there's all of the buts in their mind saying sure. but I don't do know this or I don't have that a lot of those are not the real obstacles right. that right. The, the the preparation the education the so frequently the money are there and you don't realize that they're there, that either the resources cover gaps and you don't actually need a course to teach it. You just need to find the material that is going to support you, right? And that the real obstacles you don't find out until you're actually with your kids. And it's more finding out, do you in fact have the temperament? So you just have to stop back and think, all right, if I've had a three-month period where I'm with them all the time 
has that been good and filled with growth or has that been just a constant banging your head against the wall? Well, that's great. I mean, thanks for coming on. Do not listen to this podcast. Uh, everybody that supports the episode, the, the, uh, that money goes to feeding stray cats and dogs. I'm really glad that we talked about this topic.